Wake up. Freedom's on the rise. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Exodus channel, your home for the best crypto videos. Hit those like and the subscribe buttons and we will keep the videos coming. CBDC stands for Central Bank Digital Currency. CBDCs are developed on centralized blockchains by governments who wish to maintain control, full control over the network. Many governments have already been moving towards cashless societies, but with the global pandemic, it has actually quickened the transition from a manual to a more digital world. According to a new CBDC tracker from the Atlantic Council, 83 countries making up over 90% of the world's economy are exploring CBDCs. Five countries have already launched their own digital currency, all of them being Caribbean tax havens who perhaps want to maybe safeguard against the prospect of economic sanctions. So these are Grenada, the Bahamas, St. Lucia, St. Kitts and Nevis and Antigua, Barbuda. Another 14 states, including China, are currently testing pilot versions of their own digital currency. This centralized government-controlled digital yuan is seen as a key development. It will actually help the Chinese government streamline international trade with countries and organizations that have signed up to the ambitious Belt and Road Initiative. The BRI is a gigantic plan for a global network of ports, roads, railways, and other infrastructure to connect China to the world. Other nations that are currently in the testing stage include Sweden, South Korea, and Thailand, which is actually working on a multiple central bank digital currency bridge in partnership with China and the United Arab Emirates. And then there's oil-rich Bahrain, which is still in the research stage and has chosen to actually partner with corporate banks like JP Morgan to patent their own original system of cross-border payments, which will be settled in US dollars. The United States is still also in the research phase with the Boston Fed and researchers at MIT tasked with figuring out how to make a digital currency that is fast, secure and resilient and basically good enough to fulfill the needs of the world's largest economy. So let's discuss some of the potential benefits of CBDCs. Paying a friend who lives in the same country as you will only take a few seconds and the same might be true for friends that actually live in different countries. American currency. Cross-border payments have the potential to be settled instantly with minimal fees. Now compare that to today's reality, where some of the world's poorest people are still reliant on payment intermediaries like Western Union, which actually has fees of up to 10%. I have no sympathy for them, they overcharge. Fees would also be reduced drastically for merchants, who will be able to circumvent credit card processing fees. Now this would be great news for both small and large businesses. CBDCs also promise efficient stimulus payment delivery. So the COVID-19 pandemic highlighted this weakness in the US financial system when the government struggled to deliver stimulus checks quickly. This meant those in need of financial relief were often found to be at the back of the line due to their lack of access to financial services. Assuming that access to digital state money will only require a phone, CBDCs could make it easier for governments to provide targeted welfare payments. Now we Centralized government currencies can effectively be tagged to make them valid only for purchasing certain goods like food. The same principle can actually be applied to ensure that foreign aid reaches the people who need it most instead of being squandered by inefficient or corrupt governments. But to most crypto enthusiasts, the idea of having a centralized cryptocurrency that actually has the power back to the world government and of course banks that sponsor them is pointless at best. Spiritual currency. 
One of the obvious downsides of CBDCs is that governments will still be able to freeze individual accounts, reverse transactions, and prevent people from spending their money on things like Bitcoin, which may be seen as an unwanted competitor. So we see how El Salvador with Bitcoin will disrupt a major corporation, man. Governments will also have access to unprecedented amounts of financial data. And in the case of countries that indulge in serious oppression and human rights violations, this centralization of data could lead to very grave consequences. Because you have to be in total control of everything. Another danger of a centralized blockchain is total loss of funds, as the keys and data are held in one single place. So this means one successful hack, say from a competing government with a stronger cyber warfare team, could be disastrous. And here's the best bit. Digital currency holders could still suffer the effects of inflation. Minting new digital dollars for further bailouts and economic stimulus will see the purchasing power of the currency decline, just like it has done with the US dollar. However the future of cryptocurrencies play out, CBDCs will likely be a part of it, for better or for worse. The digital economy will almost certainly become a metaverse of centralized and decentralized blockchains, some of which will host hundreds of different cryptocurrency and utility tokens for you to choose from. After a run of thousands of years, we are living in an era which will see the final shift away from physical currency. Arguments for and against Bitcoin and CBDCs tend to become quite political, but in reality, it all comes down to trust. Trust us? These five banks? Hell no. Which currencies are you more likely to trust? A decentralized network like Bitcoin or government cryptocurrencies? Let us know your pick in the comments below and why. Removing the clearinghouse and replacing it with, what's the word? It's not consortium, cartel, that's the word. With a cartel of the same market makers who have manipulated and compromised every market in history, and doing that in a way that closes this from transparency, that's not a recipe for efficiency, immutability, security, transparency. That's not a blockchain. That's a bullshit. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Freedoms Rising. This is June 6th, 2022. You're listening to Episode 8, The Freedoms Rising Show, here on tylerbloyer.com. You can also find us at freedomsrising.live. Check out the 24-7 live stream, uh, where today we'll be hearing some clips that came from things that I, I'm also sharing in the 24-7 live stream that were produced by other freedom-oriented content creators. And uh, at a special event that we've talked about at Floatfest, which uh, we've already featured one of the clips uh, from Derek Bros in that Floatfest special that I got from a live stream that John Bush did. And I appreciate him for putting that up and making it available. You can find that full link in, in the show notes. Of course, we'll be sharing the Odyssey link. Odyssey being a more freedom-oriented free speech content platform, which puts your content on a blockchain that makes it harder to censor, makes it harder to be taken down. And if you'll notice on tylerbloyer.com, I use Odyssey embeds on the pages for the videos that we do. We do do this show, Freedoms Rising, as an audio-only show for now. And perhaps we might build up one day and do video as well. 
and even live stream and then still put out the audio archive. I've always liked to keep an audio version of my shows being a big podcast consumer myself. I'm often, you know, pulling weeds or out cleaning the trailer or cleaning the cars or, you know, whatever, mowing the lawn, uh, doing the dishes, walking around the house, doing things and listening to something versus watching it. Um, and in fact, even if I'm working, I'm usually got something on in the background listening to it. And that gives me the ability somewhat multitask without having to pay attention to something, you know, visually. So I understand the, you know, the purpose for having audio only. And in this case, we record in audio only, and it just makes it a little bit more easy to produce the streamlined show every day, get uh, in sync with getting the show out without having to worry about the cameras and the stream deck. And I've done that before. And I know what that when things go wrong, technically, it just becomes that much more frustrating. And one of the questions I asked when starting this new series was, what would it look like if it were easy? I got that from the four hour work week, uh, Tim Ferriss's book, which, you know, I think when you're looking at a really complicated project, it's not like you take the easy road. But when you're coming up against mental barriers and thinking, oh, man, that's going to take a lot of time. You know, some a question is a series of questions you can ask yourself. And one of them is like, you know, what, what, what would it look like if I can just do it as fast as possible and get it done right now? And how does it how would I be able to do that? And when with this podcast, I want to build it up to be, again, maybe video and then live streaming one day. But the getting started, getting out of the gate, getting going is, well, what would it look like if it were easier to do that? Can we just do an re audio recording? That way I can do some quick post-production, uh, slap a video title card on it, get it up to the video outlets that we've been publishing to, that I've been publishing to for about seven years now. And continue to pump those channels, you know, get things going, priming the pump, I think still is what the phase that we're in, or, you know, uh, priming the carburetor here, getting things ready to really have a boost and get going. Now, what you heard there in the beginning, uh, CBDCs explained the pros and cons of CBDCs. That was an Exodus video. Um, I do like the Exodus wallet. I'm, I'm not backed by them or supporting them necessarily. And I thought that video was a decent job at getting us opened on the topic of CBDCs, which we'll be circling back to. Now, if the show opens with a clip like that, it might seem kind of confusing to the listener who's used to the opening with me or a small little thing and then me, and then I can start it to explain what the episode's about. Uh, so far, we've got just numbered episodes going. And so if you're looking at it and you don't know what the episode's about and you click into it and hear something like that, you might be lost for a little while. You might be kind of grasping around and wondering what's going on. And partially that's done intentionally. I think that we need to learn how to take in new information and be a little bit lost and come back to feeling uh, that like then we can start to have our feet underneath us once we learn a little bit more about the subject. And I'm here learning with you guys and exploring and also helping to teach things that I've learned as well as concepts and wisdom that I have. But, you know, when it comes to things that are more new in the world uh, and more novel, then we're learning together and we're exploring the topic together. So we'll be getting back to more about CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, later in the episode with another clip. And 
to round it out, I'll be commenting some more on both the clips and then a little bit of background on where I think digital slash cryptocurrencies derived from originally anyhow and the downfalls that some of the freedom movement can make in analyzing these things when we try to pass on information to others about how safe or how good these things might be for freedom and you know how we're going to use it to become free of the central banks. There's some mythology there. There's some problems with the truth and freedom movement. And, you know, I watched the 2000 Mules documentary finally over the weekend, and I couldn't help but think, is this really what the people think the fraud looks like? I mean, the fraud was pretty apparent in some of the cases with the ballot drop boxes. Basically, if you haven't seen the movie yet, they uncover a large amount of data that shows multiple people or mules dropping off multiple ballots at multiple ballot box locations, which is highly suspicious, among some other pieces of evidence and, you know, that this is proving the fraud of the election. And from a standpoint of someone like me, I see the whole representative government, uh, republic, a democratic republic, as a good experiment that ultimately failed, um, that didn't last maybe as long as it could have, and it's being held up as something and propped up as something that's working. But really, you know, it's it's oligarchy, and it's definitely not. Things don't work the way that people think they do. And uh, I don't believe in necessarily representative government. I, I don't necessarily think that someone can represent me. It's not just that it's not necessarily. I, I really don't think that's possible. I don't think that it's possible to have another person represent or represent a large body of people's interests and needs. And that gives an illusion that things are being done well, that you know things are being taken care of and that you can vote in and vote out people and make things you know, work for the best interest of people. But since when have the masses ever been looking out for their own best interest in the proper way, A, when are they always correct, B, you know, when have the masses always got it right? And how can the, basically the tyranny of the masses or a democracy be for the good of the many? You know, when have the masses ever been good is another question. You know, these things are fallacies. It's fallacious to think that way, that there's uh, a central body of people that are voting in the way that's looking out for your best interest, and, and the representative government is going to carry out those actions. I mean, it's a sham, and the whole thing is a sham, and the whole thing is set up to basically let the central banking pirates continue their uh, ravaging of the planet and setting up their families and their lineages with power and control which is essentially what the CBDC, next generation digital currencies, are, is a continuation of those systems to continue to enslave people and uh, carry out that creature of control or the system of control that these people are, and us, and we all are experiencing. And there's this patriot mythology or these sort of stories and mythologies about how well, you know, in the in the Declaration of Independence, it says that it's time to overthrow the government now. And so is this the part where we overthrow the government, you know? And there was some QAnon and, you know, information around the time of January 6th 
going on that that's sort of what people thought they were doing. Now, there's a lot of people that are obviously wrongly imprisoned and weren't doing that and weren't there trying to overthrow the government or have an insurrection. But there was also people there that literally thought that that kind of is where things were headed, that this was the time and this is where it was going to happen, you know. And that is what the freedom movements and falling into movement traps can do. It can cause you to sort of believe in these mythologies that, oh, you know, at one point you have to overthrow the government and and then, oh, there's the Federal Reserve System and that, that priving bank it, banking interest that's got a, a hold of us and we just don't know what to do. You know, even though that same representative government there that, you know, not necessarily people in the freedom movement, but that people think is representing them in their best interests is fully on board with the Federal Reserve System. It's not like the Federal Reserve System or the Bank of International Settlements, which is this central bank of central banks in Basel, Switzerland there. It's not like they aren't what they're doing, you know, the World Bank and the IMF. It's not like they're not uh, our governments don't approve of this. You know, I don't think if if the Federal Reserve System was something that our Congress and when I say our, it's the you know brainwashing talking. I don't I don't have a representative government personally, and I don't vote, and I don't pretend as if I'm participating in that system. I I don't I don't uh, participate in that. So that's just a slip up of, of the language that I'm using, but the Congress of the United States of America that people uh, still support, even though they're supporting things like the Federal Reserve System to continue, the third central bank established in this country, which, you know, some of the founders did warn about that this was a problem. And it's really like these, these British banks, you know, from the time of the revolution, and way before that, are really the power behind the throne, the power behind the scenes that continue on to this day. And, you know, they're doing it out in the open. I think, like I said before, Ron Paul did a, a great job of as ex exposing them on a massive level to the American people. And uh, we'll learn more about what they have planned now from the upcoming clip that we have. But what I'd like to get into next here is how we have issues, again, within the freedom movement. There are... And when I say we, again, that's I, I, I'm not necessarily a part of a movement. And there is what we see as these mainstream pockets of sort of what you see as the freedom movement, right? And um, even things that I've covered, even the guys that I love, you know, these guys, and I, they're actually friends of mine, and some of them, and I actually have worked with them. But the folks doing the Greater Reset and even, you know, the Exit and Build Land Summit, which we've talked about, and the concept of Exit and Build, as long as we're rooting it, again, back to spirituality, as long as we're rooting it back to uh, spirit in the flesh, feet on the ground, you know, head in the sky, warrior-style truth-freedom movement, then that's one thing. But we get trapped back into what I covered a lot in the Falling in the Movement traps, where there's still this sort of consensus reality. There's still the groupthink problem, uh, the problem of the rule of crowdocracy is what I had termed it back then. And, you know, freedom isn't just defined as 
the same way by everyone. Someone might think freedom is something granted by the Constitution, that the Constitution provides our rights and protects our rights and grants us our rights. And that's more like capital freedom, like freedom granted by law. And then there's true freedom, which is freedom under natural law or common law or however you want to phrase that, where our laws come from should be based back in these things, back in the truth and reality of things, right? And the truth is <laughs> that there's a large number of people that still are sort of, like I said, falling for the patriot mythology or this sort of we're in a revolution against the government thing or, you know, this concept of the Federal Reserve System even. And it's all played into this sort of unbased, there's really, there's really no direction that it heads besides just back into the mythology of the United States and the founding and the papers and the documents and the overthrowing and the, you know, and all, all this stuff sort of collapses in on each other as, you know, really not going anywhere, not really understanding true freedom, not really understanding where your rights come from. And they don't come from these documents. They don't come from this government. They don't come once we finally get the economic situation figured out. And going back to our our episode one, it starts with an understanding fully inside yourself that you are free and that there are no external forces that can legitimately claim authority over you. And if you volunteer into those systems, we have the voluntary ability to do you know, what we'd like to do. But if those systems then advocate and actually openly call for controlling other people and enslaving other people and physically harming and coercing other people, then that's not a right. You, you can participate in a hierarchy, hierarchy and you can voluntarily go do that. But if you then, that system is oppressing and coercing and even killing and bombing and, you know, using violence against other people and you're supporting that system, that's not something that is a right that you have. That's not something that a document lets you do as a person. That's actually, it's wrong to even think that you can do those things. Those are wrongdoings. That's a something that's incorrect, you know, because you're claiming ownership over somebody else as if they're, they're, as if they're your rightful slave by a system that you're hiding behind called democracy, democratic republic, hey, these people are in this system. And you know, I think people are brainwashed and coerced and mind controlled into this system. But that's still, it's still voluntary, though. And it's still voluntary for you to continue to participate in it, and to ignore the information of our reality, of the truth, to then, you know, decide that you can continue on doing these things without any consequence. And the consequence is, is that we're now basically, those that are under this system, are in enslaved to things like the central banks, which are, again, you know, claiming now that we're in this certain amount of debt, and that our life energy needs to go to pay off that debt as we go on. So my life is spent not just fulfilling, you know, groceries for my family and a roof over our head and investing for the future, but also paying off uh, central bankers for things they loaned to our country hundreds of years back, you know, now, and that's still something that we're paying off. And going back to, let's say, uh, 
in just this current iteration of the Federal Reserve System back to 1913, uh, when the Congress uh, basically approved that our country, you know, start issuing money in this way, and uh, then eventually leading up to, you know, losing the gold back standard. And again, this is all sort of, again, part of the patriot mythology, though, like, oh, well, as long as you know that it's not gold backed, and you know, and we can go back to this time of golden enlightenment where we didn't have a central bank. Like, there was no time before where we go back to and fix it. it, it there's no like, oh, we go back and it's good if we can get back to where it was this. That's not re- real either. That's again this this patriot January sixth mythology thing where you fall down this rabbit hole of like, here's the time where we're gonna go storm the cap. You, you know, like, you're you're just you know. F- the truth is is that it's not it's not as complicated as that and it's not as simple as that at the same time like accepting where we're at as a society is hard and it's sad for people to do and i think they want this hope of like the group of people that are going to go take over the hill and we're we're going to win you know but it's it's more simple than that in that you no know, it happens within you and it happens at home inside yourself and then how you externally manifest that, I think it it's not like you just walk out and you're free and you're no longer a part of these systems. And that that is possible, but it's, and it is very personal as far as how you're going to proceed doing that. But just like as soon as you fall into the movement traps, though, it's like, oh, yeah, the Bitcoin is going to save us. And if we can if we can just get, you know, R and Monero working and these digital things, these are all artificial as well. This stuff's all, it's all fake. That's all artificial. It's not real. And it's not reality. It's, again, things that are uh, fictional being proposed to fix the the problems that are, that are not based in the fictional world, right? And Bitcoin itself and the problem with the truth movement um, sort of shaming people, people that are really into Bitcoin and and that whole thing, they shame others for saying like, hey, I think the government might have been behind potentially creating Bitcoin or a lot of the technology that went into Bitcoin is potentially developed by the government. You know, they're like, oh, well, you're just trying to be negative. You're just trying to not see the solutions. You're just trying to, you know, and it's like, no, it's just being real. Like the whole Internet itself was created by the military, you know, LifeLog uh, or Facebook was basically developed <laughs> You know, there's some leaps I'm making there, but what I think, I guess, would be a better way to say it, not just factual, is that, you know, there is most of the development behind what we now call Bitcoin happened by government agencies like the NSA. And we'll be talking a little bit later about a document that I'll reference, but essentially showing that the NSA understood the whole concept behind bitcoin before you know a decade at least a decade if not decades before bitcoin actually came onto the scene and to to be naive enough to think that the government agencies or intelligence agencies wouldn't be involved in creating this thing that has an open ledger that you can see every transaction because bitcoin for those that aren't aware is an open ledger it's pseudo anonymous it's not anonymous it creates a ledger of tracking every address and IP back to the transaction occurring, which means that people using it can potentially be tracked. And that's what we're going to see with these CBDCs. But to me, it's like this false 
paradigm, this false dialectic of, oh, well, it's going to be the centrally controlled digital currencies over the the decentralized Bitcoin. And, uh, oh, it's going to be a battle, you know, and there's not, I think it's all just a false dichotomy. I think that, you know, government has known how to steer these things, has been thinking about this. And, and, when, and now when we say government, we are talking about the central banking system, the uh, world globalists, the people behind developing these technologies, right? Just kind of throwing them out there and then watching all the people develop the technologies. And again, uh, now building it up to the point where it's becoming mainstream, where it's becoming more adopted. And then now, now that it's in people's minds and they understand more about how it works and they're using it, and they're, they've developed all this technology around it and all the apps and all the systems and uh, the the various exchanges and KYC. Now the government steps in and says, oh, well, you know, thank you so much for uh, developing all this infrastructure for us, you know, the, the central bankers. Now we'll just kind of merge that in with our system and uh, we'll fork this technology over here. I mean, I guarantee that there are some countries that have looked at just forking the current blockchain of bitcoin like they've done with uh like bitcoin cash or the this uh, lightning network and they'll just create their own like more trackable more centralized currency that they are able to then you know just move people into versus using bitcoin or they'll continue to use bitcoin which is most likely still you know not like it's not owned that's not the right way to look at it or operated by the government but they have you know, let's say back doors or a better understanding, or maybe they're the Satoshi behind it that has, you know, mind pre-mined a lot of the currency or has the ability to sort of do a, the 51% attack, right? And sway things and how things have gone. And we've seen that over the years with the block size argument and kind of limiting Bitcoin's abilities and now the Lightning Network, which is supposed to be this wonderful thing, which I was just talking about a couple episodes ago, as far as using it, I wanted to learn more about it and learn how to integrate the podcasting 2.0 features and the way that you can stream sats and tip people is through the lightning network. And just because I might be, you know, using something or even talking about it as a form of donation. I mean, I also accept PayPal on my website. It doesn't mean I'm like rooting for PayPal or rooting for these things to be victorious. It's just the reality of the situation, right? And ways to, and that's why on Freedoms Rising, I accept R and Monero because I think that those are good projects that respect privacy and are more privacy oriented. So that's what we take on there. But the the fact is, is that the debt-based slave system worked very well. The greater reset and all this is sort of the, now they're going into their own 2.0 of that system into the digital age. And uh, they're going to merge all the, you know, Internet of Things and chipping you with your social credit score and your vaccine passport into this CBDC so that it's much easier to just shut you off if you're not going along with, you know, what the, the globalists or what the global agenda is pushing towards, which is more of this, you know, like what China looks like, the model where everything you do is tracked. It's sort of gamified in a way where you're, you know, getting points while you're brushing your teeth and getting points as you don't drive your car. And every time you drive your car a little bit over the mileage that you're supposed to be, you'll be subtracted points. And I think that these points will be sort of tokenized into the currency. And so people with extra points will have extra currencies. 
It's going to be very interesting. I think that it still does require a basic collapse that we're in a slow motion collapse in society now of the older system, which is good because we want that system to collapse, right? But you have to, you know that this is the bait and switch of what they've been planning on and practicing the whole time. And that's why Bitcoin is sort of this Trojan horse into this new technocratic technocracy with the vehicle kill switches, you know, tying into the same thing. I think by 2025, every car manufactured has to have this, you know, law enforcement accessible vehicle kill switch. And you don't think that the people developing this have, you know, already planned to tie this all in so that the kill switch goes right in line with the technocratic control grid, with the technocratic human-based debt, human capital debt-based slave system the system that's based on your energy to keep believing in it and keep participating in it to keep it going. And so that's what Freedoms Rising is here to do is watch the people and even help them out and implement the skills of leaving that system of being independent and autonomous and maintaining your own personal freedom and sovereignty uh, with more truth, freedom and prosperity in your life, right? Otherwise, this is the other direction is if we don't help people understand we don't try to implement this in our lives and we don't take the courage to stand up and speak about these things then you can just enjoy the chains that lie on your neck and around your feet and around your children and their grandchildren and your grandchildren and you won't see the same freedoms granted to them as we've been lucky enough to have in this life up to this point and will creep further and further into a technocratic hyper matrix, super te technical and high tech control grid. I know I'm using like trying to find the right words here. I think the technocratic human capital debt based control system is a good one there. We'll just put leave it at that. So along those lines, uh, I think we'll have to get in more of of these topics, you know, I know Freedoms Rising is supposed to be solutions oriented and people might be thinking, well, that just sounds like you're just attacking the freedom movement or you're just, well, as part of the solutions are, you know, smelling your own, uh, you know, nastiness, right? Your own kind of grossness. <laughs> What's the right word? You, you have to sweep, you can't just sweep things under the rug in your own house. You need to go and clean you need to clean your room. You need it's a it's a Jungian thing. It's it's very problematic in our country and we need to have free speech and be able to clean our own rooms and take take the big adult stance on this. I mean it's it's highly problematic. It's just so <laughs> can't find the right Jordan Peter Peterson isms, but that's the first time we've brought him out in Freedoms Rising, so that's not too bad. But you know what I'm saying. I mean it's we need to be able to look at our own shit, essentially, and call it out for what it is when people are talking nonsense so that we can help the freedom movement, you know, actually become a legit thing and not just fools explaining to other fools things that are part of the patriot mythology, part of the, you know, caught, getting caught up in the movement traps. And by the way, I've mentioned it a few times now. I think people should go watch the series uh, Falling into movement traps i'm going to i'm just putting it in the notes here so that i can remember to add that and i went into more of the the mindset and exploring things like volunteerism and anarchism and definitely trying to give the counter argument so that we're i think that's very important i think within our movement that keeps things healthy and fresh is if we're looking at the negative of what we might be using incorrect rhetoric and where we're wrong 
And that doesn't mean like, hey, now Tyler's at this point, he's got it all figured out and he knows that everything. Like, no, I'm learning. I'm a learning person, uh, constantly always will be learning and never have 100% accuracy in the story or the, you know, in, in how things work. And if I make mistakes, the goal is to be able to come back and admit it, even if that takes years, even if that's hard to do. No one wants to listen to someone who's like full of shit and wrong all the time. And that's not our goal either. We don't, we definitely don't just make things up. And I think it's important to be consistent. I think that if you're using logic and uh, reason and then rhetoric that you should attempt to stay consistent across those channels and where you're at not consistent if it's either called out or you recognize it you can attempt to clean that up because the goal is to remain you know inconsistent with the truth with logic and reason and um, not only that but also the holistic self-assessment of more of your you know you could say spiritual beliefs or things that uh, are more morally correct and attempting to align your behavior with the laws of nature, right? And I think this is how we bring about the most truth, freedom, and prosperity in our lives. And it could look like, oh, well, you're just, you know, recording this into a podcast. And no, I mean, doing this work and has changed me permanently over time, and it continues to do so. And having done Said, having said the things that I've said and recorded the things that I've recorded aren't just it's not just false empty things I mean it's I've literally physically changed me and my family's entire life around on this journey in order to gain more freedom in our lives and help others do the same and tr try to navigate that and it, it, in the end we may not you know with this whole CBDC technocracy rolling out it could all just be for nothing like but that's not the point. The point is to try, attempt to do the right thing, even if it's in the face of danger, and even if it means that we're going to lose. So what I'd like to start out, or I guess what we'll do now, we're going to wrap the episode up with this clip from Tim Pachote. Now, I know Tim. Uh, I met him last year at Jackfest, and it's not like we're like best buddies and we know everything about each other, but I think he's a good dude, and I think that listening to him on declare your independence with Ernest Hancock over the years and then getting to know him and listening to some of his stuff. Like even yesterday, uh, him and Josh Seegerson put out, a um, a podcast and I'll link that in the show notes as well. It's, uh, let's see, it's the insane economy on the brink of collapse. Biden blames Putin for inflation wants to print more. That was a, I think, on Josh Shakerson show, but Tim put it out on his feed as well. And I'll link that in the show notes, as well as this live from Floatfest speech that has uh, John Bush, Rebecca Powers, Derek Bros, and Tim Pachote in there. We're just clipping Tim's into this. I know on that Podbean episode that I listened to yesterday, he said that he was going to try to get this out into his feed, this speech from Floatfest. But it gives us more of a history on this and a better uh, view. It's the audio only version. I think Tim had slides prepared, but you'll be getting the audio portion. You can go watch that on Odyssey. But And then we'll continue on this week to talk more about this topic and more about the central banks. And I'll, I'll go over more of that. Uh, I'll, I'll reveal the documents and we'll show the documents on the screen. No, we obviously can't show the documents on the screen, but we'll have the sh documents in the show notes. We'll talk more about 
this idea that, oh my God, the government's behind Bitcoin. So Tyler's a crazy paranoid conspiracy theorist. And even the people in the freedom movement think you're crazy because you think that. And like that sort of childish worldview of how things work and that, you know, everything we do in tech isn't highly militarized and isn't highly uh, developed by government agencies. Everything that we know and that exists in technology has basically been that way. So why would this be any different? And we'll also get into uh, uh, just more of, of that. So moving forward, we're going to move into this clip. Thank you guys for listening today to Freedoms Rising. I appreciate hanging in there with me as the show chugs along. And uh, you can go and sign up for the Freedoms Rising email newsletter on freedomsrising.live, as well as tylerbloyer.com, and check out the show feeds there. Um, you can find me on the One Great Work Network as well. If you found find value in this work, I do not have large, huge courses set up and a huge inventory of a store with products. Like We just operate on a donation basis for now. And I would appreciate if you find value in this work to just reach out and, you know, provide a donation to see if you, how much value you find in this work and, you know, show the content creator myself that you do. And it's not like I, you know, require it, but it, it what does help. And there are a lot of expenses that are upcoming and also ongoing with the show and just keeping all this stuff afloat. So we do appreciate that. Now, I would also like to promote your freedom project. So I do keep upcoming events in the show notes that I think are important for people to check out. It doesn't mean that we're attending all those upcoming events and, you know, maybe someday with keeping the show going and uh, having a way to support that we could do more of a traveling and going around to a lot of these freedom oriented events and document those as well. For now, you know, I'd like to help promote your event and promote it into the show so you can, email me as well at tyler at tylerbloyer.com with that information. So again, we'll get into this clip. We'll leave you guys to think about it, and then we'll be back tomorrow to follow up with more. Appreciate you, and have a great day. I am Tim Pichot, the Liberty Advisor. I'm a certified financial planner with Innovative Advisory Group. Uh, I've helped pioneer things like putting actual crypto into IRAs, other strategies where people made, uh, you know, a lot of money off of, of Bitcoin or crypto, different trust strategies to legally avoid taxes for doing so. And speaking of Anarcha Poco, I ended up losing my job, uh, a six-figure residual income at the age of 30. And so the system really did come after me. But today what we're going to talk about is CBDCs and the coming digital dictatorship, what you can do to save yourself and your family. Now, unfortunately, I am, since I am a financial advisor, uh, I've got to give a little disclaimer that basically says this is all for informational purposes only in case there's any feds in the crowd. Uh, but what is a CBDC? It's funny, this, I found a picture of a girl that sort of looks like Aaron wondering what's going on. But uh, a CBDC is a central bank digital currency. So think of it as a Bitcoin-like dollar where the Fed controls everything. So instead of having a system like Bitcoin where you have 21 million and it's hard encoded into the code, you have the Federal Reserve System where they track, trace, control, and value. And then at any whim can just, you know, 10x the supply of money. Uh, you know, they can just overnight just massively devalue your money. And this is where the system is going. And we are on a collision course with this imminently. Next slide. So today is May Day. It's like a big uh, sort of communist type day. It was also the day that 89 years ago, the FDR came and that and basically confiscated everyone's gold. 
And, but he's a big liberal hero, so you know it's okay that uh, you know the big liberal hero was the one that put uh, Japanese in internment camps, Italians in internment camps. Also, he's also and this wasn't just kind of adlibbing this part, but he also put a guy named Hugo Black, who is part of the KKK, on the Supreme Court. Not a lot of people know that, so. Anyways, that's a little uh, ad-libbing on that one. But the evils of debt-based currency. So what people need to understand and why the system is so evil is that essentially you have to understand what is money versus what is currency. And right now we have a system where let's pretend that we're all on an island. Let's say, say there's three people stranded on an island. Or God help me. Let's say I'm on an island with Josh Sigerson back there. And he says, Tim, I need $100 to go buy camera equipment. And I go, okay, Josh, we'll have a one-year loan, 3% interest. And so, okay, so the end of year one, he would owe me $103. So as, unfortunately, so so Josh, you don't actually have the short stick on this because I'm the banker, so, in, in this equation. So, you know, we're both ribbing each other on this. So as the banker, okay, well, we're making up our own. I'm bad at math. I went to public school, so who knows? But, but anyways, imagine, so after year one, I would, Josh would owe me $103, but how many dollars were created on the island? A hundred. So how do you pay back $103 if you only had $100 to begin with? You don't, you have to borrow more money into ex existence. And it was that day when I figured this out, I was like, we are basically high tech slaves. So there's no way to get out from underneath the system uh, when if you're in the fiat system because you are essentially walking around as a slave that doesn't now i'm not talking about you guys out here obviously but you're walking around as a slave that doesn't even know he's a slave which is the best kind of slave is one that doesn't know he's a slave and so in this system there's no way to pay off the debt because money is debt and if you used all of your money to pay off all the debt there would only be debt left and then the whole system would then implode and and then eventually and you know have to explode in some sort of hyperinflation so either way there's a hyperinflation coming whether or not we have a deflation then it goes to inflation or whether or not we just go straight inflation it is definitely coming okay so now at this point i'm not stranded on the island with josh anymore but should you be skeptical of bitcoin and crypto and you know what i was in incredibly skeptical of bitcoin and crypto and probably cost myself tens of millions of dollars because i knew about bitcoin when it was about 50 cents and unfortunately i was like wait a minute you've got a system where you can take basically money from one wallet, send it to another wallet, and they they can track that address. I'm like, this sort of sounds like the mark of the beast to me. Again, this is like when it's like 50 cents and I had other stuff going on. I was running a business, doing triathlons. I mean, there wasn't like I was just, you know, focusing on Bitcoin all the time when it was 50 cents. But I also uncovered a connection to Bilderberg pretty early on to Bitcoin. Uh, the, now, the very first company I ever interviewed for was called AXA, A-X-A. The head of AXA is Henry DeCastries. Henry DeCastries, for I believe over 10 years, was the Bilderberg Steering Committee chairman. He was also the uh, head of AXA, and AXA gave, I believe it was $55 million to this company called Blockstream. And Blockstream, I think they raised $76 million, $55 million came from AXA. And AXA, uh, basically, they funded Blockstream, and Blockstream is the company that basically controls all the Bitcoin core developers. And so there was sort of like a Bitcoin civil war that went on without getting into all the details in, in August of 2017. And you had one group that, that said, okay, what we need to do to, in order to make Bitcoin, you know, get to a point of mass adoption, because it didn't really matter that the block size was only one megabyte when nobody was using Bitcoin. But then we got to a point where there was more adoption and the network was getting congested, the fees were going through the roof. 
And so there was one camp that said, why don't we just make it, instead of one megabyte, why don't we just make it two megabytes? And then another camp that said, well, then we should take some, of, I'm not going to get technical here, but we should take some of the information here, move it over here, jumble it around, so then that way we can fit more information in there. Oh, and then at a later date, we're going to also make it two megabytes. Well, that group went out, and that's what's called Bitcoin Core, Bitcoin Today. The other one is what we would refer to as Bitcoin Cash. So, I mean, there actually is an argument that Bitcoin Cash is actually more like Bitcoin than actually Bitcoin, but this is not investment perspective at all, just stating like how things actually went on, if you knew the inside baseball of what was going on. But the group that was pushing for the other one actually was Blockstream, because this is all about problem, reaction, solution, where they deliberately fucked up Bitcoin. So then that way they'd come in with the solution, which is something called the Lightning Network, where, you know, without getting like onto all the technicals, but eventually the Lightning Network is going, for people that aren't technically proficient, is going to become the banks where you're not going to be able to custody your own crypto. And that's one of the gotchas. And so if you are in Bitcoin the right way, you self-custody, you have the keys, uh, you're doing things the smart way. You know, it is a way where you're going to have unconfiscatable money. But, you know, our grandparents and other people out there, they don't necessarily know this stuff. And speaking of grandparents, Derek Bros sounds like he has awesome grandparents. And I have awesome grandparents, except for when I told them in 2010 or 11, and I gave my grandfather the book, uh, Creature from Jekyll Island. He's like, you better not tell one fucking person about this book or else everyone's going to think you're crazy and no one's ever going to want to work with you. And now basically it's like the minimum job you know application requirement of somebody coming on board to work with me is that they have to know about that book pretty much so unfortunately my grandparents were not as uh supportive of this back in the day so and Derek Rose also talked about this uh John Bush talked about this as well the CBDCs and the great reset on the right we have you will own nothing and you'll be happy and then on well, I guess your right would be uh Klaus Schwab dressed up as Dr. Evil that one's obviously that one's obviously photoshopped next next slide please so Klaus Schwab also authored a book that I believe came out either May or June of 2020 called COVID-19, The Great Reset. And there were a lot of clues in that book in terms of what they're planning on doing. Uh, so if you go to page 72 and 75 of the book, uh, next slide, please. What you'll see is that, you know, they refer to, now this, it's actually called, this subsection of the book is called The Fate of the U.S. Dollar. So it's not like they're really mincing words and what they are planning on doing. They describe it as an exorbitant pr privilege to have the U.S. be the uh, basically global reserve and essentially says you know for quite some time some analysts and policymakers have been considering a possible and progressive end to the dominance of the dollar they now think the pandemic might be the catalyst that proves them right next slide in their mind unsustainable levels of debt will eventually erode confidence in the u.s dollar and some skeptics emphasize that the willingness of the U.S. administration to weaponize the U.S. dollar for geopolitical purposes, like punishing countries and companies that trade with Iran or North Korea, will inevitably incentivize dollar holders to look for alternatives. And just think, since I put this right slide now. together a month ago, all the weaponization that's just occurred in the past week, let alone uh, the, when this book was written, I mean, obviously it's probably ready to roll by the time COVID-19 was out because Klaus Schwab had, you know, his buddies at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, World Economic Forum, and Bill and Bill, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation had Event 201, whole other subject. But as for a global virtual currency, there is none in sight yet. But there, again, this is two years, there's a lot in sight right now. There are many attempts to launch national digital currencies that may even eventually dethrone the U.S. dollar supremacy. The most significant one took place in China at the end of April 2020 with a test of national digital currency in four large cities. The country is years ahead of the rest of the world in developing digital currency. Next slide, please. And not only, so these four cities that they rolled this out in, they were giving people, I believe it was $30 
and the opportunity to be in the laundry to win free fucking laundry is what got like millions of people to sign up for this. So $30 and a lottery for free laundry is all the chicken feed it took for all the slaves over there in China to get onto the system. So, you know, we don't even need to buy people off for very much. Okay, I'll give you free laundry. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good enough trade to, you know, completely fuck my kids and grandchildren's future. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> The United States must maintain an economy that inspires global credibility and confidence. Better to do so over time will put the U.S. dollar position in peril. That's uh, Hank Paulson, former U.S. Treasury Secretary, also former Goldman Sachs. Question and doubts about the future of status of the dollar as a global currency reserve are an apt reminder that economies do not exist in isolation. Next slide, please. So how close are we? So here we have um, a Forbes article that is from March 23rd, 2020. Coronavirus stimulus offered by House Financial Services Committee creates a new digital dollar. So we're talking like not even a week after lockdowns. They're already already continuing this. This was called the Banking for All Act. And again, this was on March 23rd, 2020. Next slide, please. And uh, different subsections of this bill are authority and mandate for member banks to maintain pass-through digital dollar wallets. Section four, authority for non-member banks and credit unions to offer pass-through digital dollar wallets. Authority and mandate for Federal Reserve banks to maintain digital dollar wallets for the general public. And, but you know, don't worry, it's inclusive. It's all about, you know, helping out black people or helping out transgenders, but it's gonna be a very inclusive slavery you're in, so no one has anything to worry about. And that was June 11th, 2020. Uh, again, next next slide, please. Now, the CARES Act, remember, everybody remembers like the free 1200 bucks the government was given out in uh, May, June, 2020. What a lot of people don't realize is that the very first text of that bill, the Maxine Waters draft of that bill, actually called for that $1,200 to be given out in uh, essentially a, uh, a Federal Reserve dollar, Fed bucks. And so not a lot of people know about that. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I was the only one bitching about it last year on a, on a field to you guys. And so there wasn't enough people bitching about it. So now they're going through and trying to go forward with this. But that was a, obviously a trial balloon for what's going on. Now, last May, I actually owned the cover of the one on uh, on your left. So this is the Economist magazine. Economist magazine is also owned by the Rothschild family. And what we have on the the one on the right was actually 33 years ago, or 33 weeks for the one on the left. And so you see a phoenix rising out of the ashes of dead currencies. What looks like could be like some sort of Bitcoin dollar coming out of that, saying, "Get ready for a world currency." Again, this is like the Rothschild-owned publication. Then the one on the left was from last May. And actually, since I own the one, uh, I own the one that's on the left. Uh, I think the one that I screenshotted on here actually isn't the right one. It, it is the main thing, but on the upper right, mine has something about gun control on it too. So maybe they've took the gun control out one for this one. But anyways, the Economist magazine is telling you exactly what's going on and how would these guys predict it 33 years ago in terms of what's going on. Next. Now, what everybody remembers about, uh, I don't know, what was it ago? Like a couple weeks ago when Will Smith had that fake bitch slap to Kevin Hart. Uh, what was also going on at the same time was something called the World Government Summit that you can find at worldgovernmentsummit.com. And uh, next slide, please. And so at, as part of the World Government Summit, now this lady, Pippa Melgram, her dad was part of the Nixon administration or Nixon regime that helped get rid of the U.S. dollar um, back in 1971. Unfortunately, I have the same birthday actually as Nixon. And actually the day Bitcoin was, re was released, and the code was also the same day as well. So it's kind of funny that all this kind of go comes around full circle. But Pippa Melgram, actually the name of her title, uh, the name of this panel was called, Are You Ready for the New World Order? And the person that spoke right before her was Klaus Schwab, who gave like a five minute address. So, I mean, I gotta really give them credit, like game, recognize the game over here that this, 
this trolling job is absolutely amazing. I mean, yeah, the World Government Summit.com, one of the first speeches is by Klaus Schwab, and the next panel is called, Are You Ready for a New World Order? I mean, I really have to give them to them because it's like if you tried telling that to some normie, I mean, they probably wouldn't even believe you. It's just it's like so far out there. But uh, I'm sorry, I should go. I, uh, so we are on the brink of dramatic change. We are about to abandon the traditional system of money and replace it with a new one, digital blockchain CBC, which will give us greater clarity over every single transaction. And actually, since I made these slides a month ago, I actually had to go back and add this one in there. So, I mean, it's just, and there's probably a lot that I'm missing because so much is happening like every single day in terms of where we are. So here we are, worldgovernmentsummit.com. Uh, you can see, are we ready for a new world order? The guy that's heading the panel is the chief uh, executive officer of the Atlanta Council. Obviously, we've got a lot, a lot of other global scumbags up there. Next slide, please. Now, the Atlanta Council, I was like, oh, that's interesting because the Atlanta Councils are the ones who have a CBDC tracker website where they're the ones outlining where the different currencies are in relation to getting this technocracy implemented. So we, there's 91 different currency blocks. So like the EU would be one currency block, for instance, obviously there's many countries in the EU. So it basically covers the entire world. And all but nine countries uh, basically are in some sort of stage of either launch, nine have already launched, 15 are in pilot, 16 are in development, 40 are in research. And this is a little bit little bit dated. So they're probably actually even further along than this, but this is the guy who's on the panel, leading the panel uh, for are you ready for a new world order at World Government Summit? So you can't even really make this stuff up. This is from the Wall Street Journal. China, China, China envisions its digital currency future with lotteries and a year's worth of laundry. I probably should have had that slide for the other, uh, the other rant I had earlier on. Now, the Digital Dollar Project, Digital Dollar Foundation, uh, my buddy John Snice and I did a video on this in May 2020 when it came out. The company Accenture uh, is kind of the main one behind this. And essentially, they're trying to you know, roll out these CBDCs all across the globe and so there is you know a digital dollar project foundation where these companies get to make you know tax deductible uh you know donations to then uh you know basically help further enslave us so you know these guys are pretty smart i mean they're able to you know get tax breaks while trying to screw us at the same time and so part of what i'm doing with with bitcoin and different trust structures is sort of taking that information and helping set up uh basically trust for different individuals uh who you know were successful in crypto and then basically using their tools but to help free humanity as opposed to helping enslave humanity. And uh, I'll give a quick plug. If you guys want to go to thelibertyadvisorshow.com, that's where I've got all the episodes for all this different stuff. And then you can find all the other places that I'm at. Obviously not on any of the mainstream stuff. I got off there long ago. Now, this is a paper from the Federal Reserve on the federalreserve.gov website called Money and Payments, the U.S. Dollar in the Age of Digital Transformation. Just came out in January 2022. I did a show on this as well with Ernest Hancock. I, it's a 40, it doesn't take very long to read it. It's a very big font in here. And uh, essentially, it's the Federal Reserve trying to say, like, oh, we're not definitely going to come out with this. And don't, don't necessarily think that this is a done deal. So if the government's telling you, oh, this is not a done deal, we're not going to do it, it means they're definitely going to do it. So, I mean, you always got to do the opposite of whatever they're going to say. Now, this was an executive order from uh, Joe Biden on March 9th, 2022, for ensuring responsible development of digital assets. And then if we go to the next slide, we see the uh, National Economic Council on the same day also came out with a uh, new digital asset executive order as well. Again, this is like a month ago. Then we've got Janet Yellen, who's the former, uh, I don't even want to look at, looking at her. Uh, we've got, yeah. you got Janet Yellen as, uh, I mean, I may, may make a joke. You guys, I mean, I'm not an Elon Musk fan, but he did tweet out that thing where it was like Bill Gates pregnant and said boner killer. I mean, that, could, might, that, that might also be the boner killer. That was an impromptu joke on there that wasn't planning on having that. But Janet Yellen can help deliver the digital dollar. So she is the current uh, U.S. Treasury Secretary 
also. Um, and I think she had a quote, like, I don't know, it's like maybe like maybe probably Josh knows, like 2016 or 2017, where she's like, oh, there's I can't ever foresee another U.S. A recession in my lifetime. Uh, I mean, it's just but and then so that it ends up, you know, giving her, you know, the ability to then control the money for everybody. So. Uh, so then if we go over to her Senate testimony uh, on January 21st, 2021, uh, what we see is, uh, you know, they ask her about a digital dollar. And basically she says, you know, I look forward to working with other federal banking and security agencies, the Federal Reserve and Congress in developing and implementing such frameworks. So, I mean, the Treasury's on board with it. The Fed's on board with it. All the top all the top globalists. Are, ah, another another boner killer up there is this guy is Augustin Karstens. With, so he is the head of the Bank of International Settlements. Does that... So who can anyone raise their hand if they know what the Bank of International Settlements is? Okay, so even for this crowd, a very woke, awake crowd, woke in a good sense of the term, very few people know what it is. So the Bank of International Settlements is the central bank of central banks. There's a book on it called Tower of Basel. It's located in Basel, except it's its own country, just like the Vatican. So, or I guess now like Disney World. So, or what it used to be. So it's its own country. So there's no jurisdiction over it. This guy's ahead of it. He's like a 700-pound Mexican, and and it's funny because about a week ago they had a global food crisis summit with all the top central bankers. I'm like, you're going to be at a global food crisis summit like you're 700 pounds. Why don't you quit eating food and maybe some of the inflation will go down? But but anyways, I just th this guy. And so one of his quotes, I didn't want to use video in here because you know it's always you know janky if you're trying to use a video on these, but. If the quote was, we don't know who's using a $100 bill today, and we don't know who's using a 1,000 peso bill today. The key difference with the CBDC is the central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that expression of central bank liability and will also have the technology to enforce that. Technology to enforce it means they have the ability to shut you down and then stop the transaction going from one person to another and cut you off from the fucking system. That's the lamest terms version of it. And if you're offended that you say fuck, you should be more offended that you're getting fucked than the fact that I said that. So, uh, anyways, our friend Kill Gates, he has a um, Microsoft had a had a patent which was you know 060606 where they, they basically want to put like nanotech inside of you and for doing like little tasks that are going to reward you with cryptocurrency. And I'm sure it's just a coincidence that it was you know patent 060606 from our good friend Kill Gates. Next slide, please. Uh, digital dictatorships now. Everyone knows this guy, Klaus Schwab. So some of the you know technocratic uh, you know quotes we have over here is even crossing a national border might one day involve a detailed brain scan to assess an individual security risk. So I mean, for every all the Elon Musk fanboys out there, I mean, who's the main person developing the uh, Neuralink and trying to you know read people's mind would be Elon Musk. So of course you've got to come out if Elon Musk is like a nice guy, so everybody likes you and be a free speech absolutist, even though you previously got other people kicked off Twitter anyways, that's not what the speech is about. Fourth industrial revolution technologies will not stop at becoming part of the physical world around us. They will become part of us. So fourth industrial revolution technology basically means like you know transhumanism type stuff. And today's external devices from wearable computers to virtual reality headsets will almost certainly become implantable in our bodies and brains. So good old Klaus Schwab, this is his top minion, one of his top minions, uh, Yuval Harari. Uh, and this is and these slides actually come from his speech at Davos. Uh, next, next one, please. Uh, so I have been calling this a digital dictatorship. So other people out there in alternative media have been calling this a digital di dictatorship. And this is actual slide. His actual slide in here says, it's probably hard to see, but says digital dictatorship risk ahead. This is his slide, not mine. And I was already using that term. And I only found this out a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, oh my God, the motherfucker is using the exact same term, digital dictatorship. 
Uh, and that's part of the vestigial magic where they need to tell you what they're doing ahead of time. Yeah, and oh, yeah, it's got oh, ignore or reset is in there as well. But alongside inequality, the other major danger we face is the rise of digital dictatorships that will monitor everyone all the time. And this is you know not not hard to predict when you're the one that's helping implement this. Now, again, this is also from this slide at Davos says biological knowledge multiplied by computing power multiplied by data equals the ability to hack humans. Ah, this is again from his slide, not inferencing any of this stuff. And then on, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Fareed Zak I think it's either Sanja Gupta or Fareed Zakaria, one of those two guys. They asked him, oh, what, what's like your favorite author? And he gave a three minute thing talking about how Yuval Harari Sapiens is his favorite book. So, I mean, it's just, so this is also Obama's favorite book as well, which is you know kind of crazy. Uh, next slide. Let's get brought Joan Bomber off of there. But the now I don't know. I kind of came up with this quote, so I don't know if it makes me egotistical, but like a quote that I just made up. But the public's understanding of blockchain will determine if society is either set free or is captured in a technocratic digital dictatorship. Next, please. Next slide, please. And so this is a warning to everybody. Today is May Day. Today is May 1st. And this is a major warning, a major May Day to every single person out there that if this is actually implemented, it maybe won't affect us because really the solutions are everything that John Burroughs and Derek Rose have been talking about and exiting and building and doing your own system. So luckily, uh, you know, you, you guys all sat through Derek Rose and John Bush, what they were talking about, which is which are the solutions. So it's not going to affect necessarily those people, but it's going to, I, hate, man, I, don't, mean, I don't mean those people, sorry, but it's going to affect basically 99% of the world out there, and it's even going to affect those people as well, because we have loved ones who aren't, you know, buying into the system and people who are getting jabbed. And so, yeah, every, and, and really when it comes to understanding blockchain technology, it's a lot like understanding a gun, that you can use a gun to go offensively kill somebody, or you can use a gun to defend yourself. And so blockchain can be used as the most freeing thing for humanity, or it can be used as a thing that absolutely is used to enslave us. So that's what I didn't understand in 2010 when I discovered Bitcoin is I only understood the fact that this sounded like a market to be a system. So what they're doing is I think they wanted to go out there and make Bitcoin kind of sexy, make it cool, make it be sort of like an anti-establishment thing to get draw in a lot of us, get a lot of the tech geek nerds out there developing software like, you know, like Colin Cantrell, like WizKid from Nexus. And you got all these people developing this software and putting out like different freeware and, and different and coming up with the infrastructure of this. And they're just going to, and the bad guys are going to be like, okay, well, thanks for developing this for us. And now we're going to take, you know, the best parts of the system and then use it in a central digital currency where they're going to track trace, control, surveil everything you do. And what I gave a rant on 13 months ago was basically we're going to be in a system where they're going to have social credit scores that are going to be tied into universal basic income. And they're going to essentially try to make everybody so poor that they're going to have to opt into the system. And, and, and this was all, if you go back to the creator of the Federal Reserve System, it's James Warburg. He was the, bless you, James Warburg was the one who said, was the one who, in the play Annie, like he was Daddy Warbucks, and he uh, said, we shall have a one world government. It's only a matter of us through consent or conquest. And so you don't want to, you know, they, they realize things like World War One, and World War Two, and beating someone over the head and putting a gun in their face. And, you know, just think about all the regime change that's going on. They realize that doesn't work. That the best way to get people to buy into the system is for them to want it and beg for it. And so they're going to either make everyone broke or make everybody poor, get them to opt into the system themselves for help. Uh, and obviously the government's never there to help you. Uh, I think it was Harry Brown that said the government's there to break your legs and then give you a wheelchair or something like that. And another theory I have, another way how they're going to do this is there is something 
and there was interest rate risk is that when the value of the and i don't really recommend anybody's in bonds at all but if you are in a bond which is the bond market is actually way bigger than the stock market but if it sort of works like a teeter-totter so as interest rates go up the underlying values of the bonds go down and so let's say you have a 10-year bond it's worth say a million dollar 10-year duration bond and rates go up one percent your underlying value would go down by 10. so your million bucks would turn into nine hundred thousand. but don't worry you're getting like you know basically no interest off it and so if you have a a uh, 20 year bond and rates go up 1%, the underlying value would go down by 20. Rates go up 2%, the underlying value would go down by 40%. I'm not talking crazy, crazy stuff here. I'm talking if the rates go up 1% or 2%, which current bondholders already have gotten slack. I don't have the slide in here, but uh, as of like a month ago, the worst, so this isn't, this is current as of about March 24th, but the worst performing asset up until then actually were government bonds. Uh, so everyone that wanted to be safe, you know, safely, you know, was losing money. On that, and so what I think is what they could be doing is for all the you know retirees and bondholders and pension holders who are in these funds, uh, that when the rates do rise, they're going to get absolutely shellacked, and then they're going to come in to help with the uh, central bank digital currency. And you know, there's very, I don't want to give them any ideas on what to do because you know I'm sure there's other 200 IQ people out there trying to figure this out for themselves. Uh, next slide, please. So here we have you know end of the petrodollar. Saudi Arabia considers accepting yuan instead of dollars for uh, Chinese oil sales. Next slide, please. Uh, Russia considering selling its oil and gas for Bitcoin as sanctions intensify intensify from the West. I mean, just imagine like that headline like five or six years ago that Russia could accept potentially Bitcoin for their oil. I mean, nobody would have thought that. I didn't even think that. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, India is snapping up cheap Russian oil and China could be next. Next slide, please. There's approximately, we're talking about 3 billion people. And I don't really trust like the numbers. Oh, there's this many billion people in this country, whatever. But anyways, it's about half of the world. Russia, India, and China are, you know, are options on the table to accept the yuan. So, I mean, that's pretty crazy. Uh, next slide, please. But ultimately, the solutions here, because we don't want to just drone on about, uh, you know, just make it one big complaint fest. You got to have, you know, different solutions here. And I guess the quick notes, Cliff note version of it, it was everything that Derek Rose and John Bush talk about all the time and having freedom cells and communities. But you have to have assets that are unconfiscatable. You have to have assets where they just can't come in and take everything. Thanks for playing. And so, like I mentioned before, with Bitcoin, with crypto, there's ways to do Bitcoin where, you know, essentially the bank or something like Coinbase, they're the ones that hold their keys at any point. I mean, just ask people. I think people in Russia have their Coinbase accounts taken. I mean, just ask. Uh, you know, lots of different major institutions of people trying to accept money from different places and getting shut down. And so you ultimately have to control your keys. You have to, and what I mean by, by keys are when you, and, and a lot of you probably already know this, but when you go, there's different hardware wallets and what you can do is, and you don't have to use a hardware wallet, but there's ways where essentially you get like 18 to 24 words, and then those words can then recreate your account anywhere. But there's other ways of doing it where you let like Coinbase, you let, you know, some other bank hold on to your Bitcoin. And then in that case, you don't control your money and they can just take it at any time. And so obviously that's not the way to go about doing that. And then, you know, ultimately one of the ways they're going to try to control people is not only through the money, but it's always going to come down to a food thing. So my good friend, Ernest Hancock, who was here before, then he saw, oh man, it's only Tim speaking here, so I'm going to leave. But, uh, so I gave him a plug and he's not even here, but what a jerk. But anyways, I love Ernie, but, uh, you know, it's always going to come down to a food thing. And so. You know, just look at where we're at right now where, you know, even Joe Biden's out there talking about, you know, how there's going to be impending food crises and shortages. And even if there isn't, 
uh, you know, all the food is all crap. It's all GMO. It's all poison. It's all meant to dummy down, make people fat. You know, you know, you are what you eat. So you're eating like crap. You're going to feel like crap. You're going to look like crap. And so ultimately that's where things are going. So you need to make sure that you're in a spot to be able to have food independence because, you know, it's, it doesn't take very long for things to break down to like road warrior or something. Now, another thing the globalists have been, uh, have been talking about is, uh, is, you know, an upcoming cyber attack. So it was, was Klaus Schwab, um, just paraphrasing here, but he said something along the lines of, it's like, oh, this co current COVID-19 is going to seem like a minor disturbance compared to the coming global cyber pandemic. And so they're calling it a cyber pandemic. I think it was in July they had Operation Cyber Polygon, where they're going through and wargaming this. Uh, a lot of the central banks were actually also wargaming back in December uh, about what you know how what would happen to the financial system if the system goes down. So they and then now you see all the propaganda out there in terms of oh Russia is going to have a cyber attack. Watch out for Russia. 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 Russia is going to have a cyber attack. And we know if there is a cyber attack, we know the criminals in our government are going to be the ones behind it. Probably not the Russians. Not to say that the Russians are good guys either. But anyways, because of that, that's why precious metals is also important as well. I like Bitcoin better than precious metals, but in the event of a cyber attack, obviously the precious metals or having food, uh, you know, is going to be more important. Having land, being away from, you know, all the rest of the sheeple out there is going to be important as well. Uh, next slide, please. I already I already got into self custody crypto. Kind of jumped the gun on that one. And then, you know, finally with privacy coins. So, you know, a lot of you in this audience are probably very well well aware of things like Monero and things like Pirate Chain and things like, you know, Josh is a big fan of Epic Cash. But, you know, there's a lot of different uh, privacy coins out there. Where essentially what that means is it's crypto that can't be tracked, traced, or surveilled. So if I send Bitcoin to you, they would know that this address sent X amount of Bitcoin and X amount of Bitcoin was received by your address. Whereas, and then through the AI and through the average person not being careful enough, they're then going to be able to detect who you are. There's companies like dark data services that have been doing this for a very long time already. And so anyone that's taking their money off of Coinbase and putting it onto their wallet, I mean, they're, they're not being super secretive. I mean, they know who you are. They're able to then you know detect that stuff. But something like Monero, they, they don't know if I send, and again, not financial advice, do your own information on this, do your own research, but something like Monero, uh, if I go and send crypto over to you, they're not necessarily going to know, they're not going to know where they're, where the crypto went. And that's the same thing with Pirate Chain, same thing with, there's lots of other ones out there. You can do your own research on these. But again, I'm Tim Pichot, the Liberty Advisor. You guys can find me at thelibertyadvisorshow.com. I'm also a financial advisor that's trying to help, you know, people like us, you know, escape the system. And then also, you know, obviously there are people who I'm not necessarily advocating they go out and get IRAs or 401ks, but it's a fact of life that a lot of people already have that. And so I've got ways where you can get crypto in actual crypto into IRAs, 401ks, actual gold into IRAs, 401ks, consultations on people who made a lot of money on crypto. And then for more like, uh, and basically all my clients are people like, like us. And I deliberately uh, have like a lot of offensive things on my kind of questionnaire intake form that would scare away people that aren't like us to kind of save time for myself. And so you can also book, book appointments there. I do videos with Josh Seekerson for World Alternative Media. Uh, and you can find this on, I mean, basically you can find, find us pretty much everywhere, but you go to, it's probably easier to list places you wouldn't find us on, but you can go to, yeah, YouTube, go to YouTube to find us. No, we're not, no, we're not, not on YouTube. And, okay. And uh, so, <clears throat> TheLibertyAdvisorShow.com for all the different propaganda I put out there. I've been putting out there for a long time. A lot of it's, you know, financial type stuff. And uh, anyways, I appreciate everyone's audience today. Maybe you guys wanted to hear me. Maybe you just wanted to get a little break from the sun. But either way, I appreciate it. And uh, thank you guys very much.
Wow, that was awesome. Of course they wanted to hear you. What are yeah. you talking about? Um, yeah, so uh, we have our next speaker pretty much straight away is Rebecca Powers here. I'm sorry I don't know everyone, but <laughs> next year I will. Um, you've got a few minutes, so if anyone does have a quick question, does anyone have a question relating to the last speaker? No, no burning questions. All right, crowd. Well, that's cool. Come up, Are Rebecca. Oh, wait, we got one. We got one. Uh, what are your thoughts on XRP? Uh, I mean, I know that's one of them, and there's just for the prices right now, like, it's kind of betting on the bad guy in a way. Like, how do you feel about that? Uh, so his question was, what do I think about XRP? So for those of you who don't know, XRP is Ripple. It's uh, pretty much the banker's coin. Now, I've only done one video ever on Ripple, and it actually was the day of the all-time high by coincidence. So I think it was like January 2018. I was doing a Facebook Live, and actually my, my feed cut out right as – uh, right as I ushered, ushered this statement, but it, this is again when it was like three dollars. I think it was like three dollars and forty cents, and everybody at this time was like, "Oh, Ripple's going to be ten dollars. Ripple's going to be a hundred dollars." Like, well, first off, there's a hundred billion of them, so it's ten dollars. It's going to be a trillion dollars. I mean, there's no way in this framework that that's going to be a trillion dollars uh, or a hundred dollars a coin. So, okay, it's going to be like bigger than like the world's GDP. But anyways, my statement that day was. You know what? For everyone that says Ripple's going to go to ten dollars, I hope you lose all your fucking money. And then the feed cut out, and that, and people are like, "Oh, you're just jealous, and I'm going to make all this money." Well, what's I don't even know Ripple is today because I don't care about it. But well, sixty cents. So I made that video at three dollars and forty cents, and what we're uh, four years later, and it's sixty cents. So it hasn't even been a good investment. I want to invest with the good stuff now. If you want to take a flyer and put some money in there and know that you're dancing with the devil. I mean, that's one thing. I'm not in it at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had I shared that sentiment back then. I share the same one today. Uh, another person has a lot of good videos on it. Well, I don't really agree with a lot of the things he says, but uh, Tone Bays, has, when he, back when he was doing a uh, crypto scam podcast, he, he has one on Ripple. And I would, uh, I would I advise people to look at that because like one of the guys involved in Ripple was also one of the guys involved with Mount Gox. And so, anyways, I'll, that's a clip note version. But does anyone else have any more questions? Okay. Also, learntherisk.org. Uh, that's my girlfriend, Tina Marie. She's going to be speaking uh, after Rebecca. So make sure you check out that booth, check out the website, and thank you guys. Woohoo! Woo Way to pack in some information. That was, that was really cool. Thanks very much.